Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs>We got there. Right. The important thing is, we got there. There's too many buttons for me to press now. We got, we got Twitch. Time. We're on YouTube. Yeah. We're on Audible. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many. I got to record while we also do. There's a lot. You I got think a lo this is easy. You come sit in the red and blue chairs and do what we do. Some other podcast has, they hire a crew. <laughs> yeah. Over here, we, we can't afford that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast. Uh, I'm Bob. That's Will. Hey. We, know, we don't introduce ourselves. Yeah, you know who we are. You should know who we are. We're the same people every week. Um, a lot of stuff going on in so much stuff that we're talking about paint today. Yeah. But uh, a couple of things we want to address. We've been testing out uh, putting clips on, on, on the main channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people put clips on a second channel. Yes. We're putting them on the main channel because YouTube told me to. So there you go. So Write your congressman <laughs> if you have a problem with that. We d People have problems. Yes, I, I have seen those comments. Yeah. We, we are getting comments on the clips video. First of all, the clips video is not doing too hot. No. But, uh, uh... Yes, we're getting comments on them because uh, people's notifications are blowing up because we're yeah. posting a lot of clips on, on this channel. What I would suggest is if you're one of those people that uh, are upset that your notifications are blowing up, you can set the notification uh, to uh, personalized, which will probably just be the live streams, mm -hmm. which are the most important ones anyway. Because this, this podcast will always be a live stream on YouTube. Yes. So uh, just do that for now. We're going to continue to do the clips. Yeah, uh, we're going to experiment with them like, Frequency of release, uh, length of clips, things like that. It's something new. Hey, new is good. Yeah. So uh, also with that brings a little surprise that we'll have later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, half of you probably won't know anything about it, mm -hmm. but other half will probably then be happy that we do clips. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we got we're a little late and we got a long show. Yeah. So we got to, we got to just. Just start ramming through stuff. We got to ram through some stuff. First thing we want to ram through is yellow paint. Yeah. <laughs> also, are we going to mention that Xbox is doing a thing this week? I think we'll just mention it off the top uh, right now. Yeah, we should. Get it out of the way. Last week, we talked about the rumors and speculation that Microsoft was going to bring its Xbox first party titles to other platforms, namely uh, PlayStation 5 and Switch. Um, it was so big that Phil Spencer had to come out and say, we hear you. We're going to make an announcement next week. And this week, uh, they're going to make the announcement on February 15th. So Thursday, after we do the show. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's it's the, the official Xbox podcast is what they're going to announce it on. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was a conference. No, it's uh, on their podcast. Oh. That I didn't know they had. <laughs> I didn't know that either. So uh, I guess they're doing that. But yeah. Uh, the rumors are that they're going to announce, uh, you know, like games for other platforms. Yeah. And stuff. We uh, talked about those Rush rumors last and week. And Pediment are allegedly going to be the first two. Fuck. Pediment was an Obsidian game that like came out on Xbox. Apparently it's amazing. It's gotten like incredible reviews. It looks like parchment paper. Um, oh, yeah. Pediment. How, yeah. how could we forget about <laughs> like Pediment? Exactly. That's why it's called multi-platform. I think this was a guess the game a few games ago. And yeah. Defo did not get it right. 
Uh, we'll also off the top say thank you to uh, EJ Skeletor for gifting a billion subs. Yeah. Uh, Majin Jameson for the 23 months. Just a pile of note for the 21 months. Thanks for the great content. Thank you thank for you. being here. Uh, we got T-Bird with 12 months. We got Dante Mira with 54 months. Happy 54 month. Thank you very much. Jin Wong, thank you for the 34 months. Hi, Bob and Will. Hello. Hello. Uh, we got underscore. Thanks for the 72 months. We got Professor Clockwork. Thanks for the 12 months. A full year of games and podcasts. Thanks for everything, Wolf Bros. Here's to great content. Well, thank you. Thank you. And Uber Yoshi, thanks for the four months. Is this the Nintendo podcast? No. No. And, sh- and shut up. <laughs> uh, I didn't stream on Sunday because it was the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, uh, uh, people are subscribing i guess and i'm not gonna stream on thursday Ooh. so how about that what's i don't know what's going on around here i'm taking a little taking a little time off did you see the super Super i I saw the saw the second half of the super bowl because the first half was trying to put the kids to bed (laughs) i was actually interested yeah because of the taylor swift uh (laughs) uh, travis kelsey situation made it a little bit more interesting i will say like also, every time Taylor Swift came on screen, I had to go, Hannah! Blocked! There she is! I will say, like, the second half of the game was very exciting. Like, in terms of, like... Yeah, because they were down. I yeah. was like, they're fucked. This is going to yeah. suck for that. And Taylor Swift's like, good. Oh, they're good. good. Oh, no, they could, they could get out. Oh, it's halftime now. Ooh. Yeah, and then they came back. Yeah. That was crazy. So good on them. Part of me wanted uh, the Chiefs to lose just because I was like, Taylor Swift's got it too good right now. No <laughs> one person should have it that good. Yeah. But then they did this crazy comeback, and it you got to ask, how is that not scripted? Yeah. It was just too oh, perfect. Yeah. I, have, I have several friends who truly believe that it is, like, rigged. <laughs> so I don't want to get too into the weeds it's, here just It was yet. just too perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's all a ploy to get you to get your COVID vaccine. Yes. So let's <laughs> talk about the, the fucking... Yellow paint now. All right. The the newest Gamergate, yes. yellow paint. <laughs> uh, the new old one, because it's uh, been around for a while. Last week, thanks to the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth demo, some old video game discourse returned and overtook social media. The use of yellow paint to mark certain in-game objects or ledges. All it took was a now viral tweet of Cloud climbing some yellow rocks in the new demo and a comment about how yellow paint was a virus. And bam, the debate is raging all over again. Like I didn't know comment, that's what started it. Yeah. Like a comment returning uh, for another scheduled pass by Earth, the yellow paint topic has once again predictably appeared, leading to endless takes, jokes, threats, opinions, and arguments. Why is this topic so incredibly capable of sucking in everyone around it for days or weeks on end? Well, it's not really because of the paint, but be, uh, everything the yellow splotches represent. So when when I think of yellow paint in video games and when I Google it, the only thing that comes up is Resident Evil 4. That was, I think, the most recent example of like the most egregious use of it. There's a lot of it. There's a lot and of it. And it does kind of hold your hand. So I know from a personal perspective, my first experience with yellow paint syndrome, as it were, was uh, the Tomb Raider reboot. Yes. Um, okay. It was white paint, though. Yes. But it was used to demark where you can like shimmy up a wall, and things like that. Yeah. So the the paint is representative of where you're supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, in the original Resident Evil Four, there was no yellow paint. Correct. Because it was very obvious 
what you're supposed to interact with mm -hmm. because back then backgrounds looked like a different saturation and resolution than objects that you could interact with. Yeah. So they clearly stood out. Mm -hmm. And that was just an artifact of the technology. Yeah. These days, things look a lot better. So instead of... They, I guess they could... In Resident Evil 4 specifically, I guess they couldn't really design around it because mm -hmm. they are remaking a game. Yeah. So the solution to that was to just put a yellow mark on it i know and uh, I, I don't i'm not that upset by that no uh if you scroll down a little bit there's an example there's a tweet somebody the the yellow paint is so unnecessary obviously a ladder is climbable obviously a crate is breakable why did they do this um there are some games i don't remember resident evil 4 specifically but i know there are some games where some ladders are not climbable dude i'm playing call of duty yeah right now war zone mm -hmm. fast-paced high octane battle royale yeah and you know how in call of duty you can open a door yeah or you could bust through the door mm -hmm. always busting through doors yeah, because because you got to go fast mm -hmm. and there are so many doors you just cannot yeah. and, and there's no more indication or anything that you cannot get into the door so i'll be in the middle of a gunfight and i'll bust into a door that you can't bust into and then i'm dead yeah uh so yeah I understand, at least from Resident Evil's perspective, where, why you would need yellow paint. Because, yeah. again, it's a remake of a game that doesn't have that sort of artifact anymore. They needed mm -hmm. to replace the artifact. The most recent example... I don't play... I guess I don't play a lot of AAA games anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the most recent example of paint, yellow paint syndrome was the VR version of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. People are saying that Horizon Zero Dawn has a similar thing. The VR version has white paint, and it was very egregious, mm -hmm. and uh, it didn't fit within the world. There was just paint everywhere, and uh, it, it it made the game feel more linear than it was, and uh, was a little too handholdy. Right, you, you know. I remember. I think it was Uncharted: Golden Abyss on the PS Vita actually did yellow paint for like grabbable ledges mm -hmm. and stuff even though the ps3 games at the time didn't really follow those same steps no. but on the vita that was done because you could also touch the screen to grab the ledges so it was like an indicator of where to put your finger right on how like where nathan drake should go that's also a vita game yes you know so like back then i i kind of understand having indications for having a linear path especially it's a fucking not only is it an old game mm -hmm. it's a mobile game yeah so you don't have a lot of room to design around that mm -hmm. uh the last of us i think doesn't have yellow paint but it had i think it cleverly colors things yellow that you can interact right. with it, they're like different shades of, of of yellow but they fit within the world so mm -hmm. they stay it's like a sort of subconscious way for things to stand out and i think some of the best games are the ones that uh guide you towards the places that you're supposed to be going and the things right. that you're supposed to be touching but to counter that argument there are instances where sometimes it's not obvious what a player it's supposed to be doing or should be going right there's a there's actually a really famous example of bullet storm when, yeah. the, when <laughs> the developers were making bullet storm you know that's a high octane shooting game everything's blowing up left and right you're killing things left and right they had exploding barrels in the game mm. but when they were play testing it the barrels just looked like regular barrels nobody was shooting at them to blow things up 
they had to change the color of the barrels to bright red. Yeah, they have so to be So that red. people know, oh, those are exploding barrels. Yes. So Barrels have to be red. Barrels if you can, if you can explode, then they got to be red. Yeah. But, you know, that leads to there are certain instances where color coding certain things in the game have to happen if that's a way for the developers to guide the players to certain things. Yes. Uh, my argument is that I think it should be within world. I, I, I think that, uh, the, again, the yellow paint is, is, is the example that everybody's calling it the yellow paint syndrome. Yeah. Um, in the, in the example of Resident Evil 4, I think it had to be done or something had to, there had to be some sort of indication of what to do because mm -hmm. it's a remake of a game that had a different thing in it. Yeah. It was a different way to indicate what you're supposed to do. Um, I think that it could be many different things. I think it could be like if there's a bunch of doors and only one of them you can go through, it, sh it, it can be a different color. Yeah. It just make it fit within the world. Like, for example... Uh, the Last of Us, where mm. things are like a little yellow, they still look like they're within the world, but for some reason you subconsciously are like, I want right. to go there. It's it's not as egregious as just a splash of paint, or like like, playing... like all these like all these freaking people in the world, all the zombies in Resident yeah. Evil are just painting things <laughs> that you're supposed to go to. I'm playing uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy right now, and a lot of the doors that you can't go through are actually like fenced off or boarded mm. up. Yeah, you know, easily indicating you can't go through there. Yeah, I think Naughty Dog is really good at yeah. uh, uh, the set dressing and making things uh, look within world, but also like I obviously can't go It does there. come down to like an art direction thing. Yeah, But I don't definitely. necessarily think that high, like explicitly highlighting like what's mm -hmm. climbable or where you need to go is a problem. That's more of an accessibility thing, mm -hmm. like to help game like gamers who maybe aren't as like obvious like or in tune to like what's obvious in the game because i'll tell you i've played many games where i'm just running around a room trying to figure out where to yeah. go no i and if there had been a, like a nice bright piece of yellow paint to tell me go that way i would have known to have gone that I way i definitely like to have my hand held a little bit yeah. uh i think in uh, prince of persia the new one there's a set right in the beginning of the game they say do you want us to tell you on the map where the next objective is and yeah. i was like absolutely because you can say no yeah. and then play it like more like a traditional metroid game mm -hmm. uh but i was like no i want you to tell me where to go immediately i don't yeah. like trying to figure out where i'm going um that being said i do think it's uh, a little bit of a dance between art direction and game design where uh they have to kind of you know meet meet together yeah because because the game designer has to be like we want them to go this way how do we get them to go this way because right. you can do like a nintendo thing where you're like kind of just gently push people in the right. right direction you know um what was i gonna say uh oh there are i think there are examples of games where it's fine and, yeah. and like it makes total sense to like have just a color or even an arrow like in forza they just mm -hmm. literally it's a it's an arrow on the ground follow the arrow um mirror's edge is a great example yeah everything that, was just red yeah but uh it that felt like an arcade game you know like yeah. like like i wanted to touch the red stuff you know it, yeah. it was it was it it, it it didn't feel like a real world situation another example that uh was brought up is in um dead space the original dead space okay they were saying how they were trying to like subtly hint that in order to defeat the necromorphs, you have to cut off their limbs. But during, again, during play testing, people are automatically just preconditioned to do headshots. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take down the necromorphs. That makes it much harder. So they actually had to scribble on the walls in the game in blood, cut off their <laughs> limbs. They did that 
like a few times in the beginning of the game until you like you got it drilled into your head oh i'm supposed to cut off their limbs like that's an extreme case where you yeah. literally have to spell it out for the player but i think at the by the same time by having it look like it was like written by some dude like in his own blood like writing it on the wall sort of added to like the the horror element of that particular game and you're and you're kind of discovering it within the world you're the guy who just discovered this yeah. beast for the first time and you don't know how to kill it yeah and then you see on the wall a previous guy left you a message cut off the oh okay, okay i gotta call their limbs. yeah in uh, in destiny uh there's a bunch of different types of enemies and one of them is uh the vex i think they're yeah. they're robots um and they have a very clear white uh like iron man sort of thing on their chest like a big bright white light. Yeah. And when I first play the game, you shoot them in the chest and it explodes like it's a headshot. Yeah. Uh, like headshots on other enemies makes their head just pop off. Uh, so with this specific enemy, you have to shoot them in the chest. Some of my friends didn't know that and didn't realize that they were still aiming for the head, right. even though they had a big white thing on their chest. So I think that's an example of uh, art direction showing you that's the thing you're supposed to hit. Yeah. But. For some reason, it's not taking, and maybe it needs to be explained. Maybe yeah. that game needed uh, blood written on the wall, shoot their chest. I think, oh, honestly, a lot of the um, the anti-yellow paint sentiment that's going on is because, you know, it is obviously a way to, like, help people play the game if, like, something's not obvious to them. And I think a lot of that comes down to people who, like, love their really super hard games, like your Elden Rings and your Dark Souls and, like... You know, oh, I can I can beat every Halo on Legendary in a day or whatever. Like the super hardcore games, feeling like games are too easy now. Too many like too many babies are playing games. There's not a, you know they don't make games for real big tough manly men anymore who can like you know beat Tony Hawk's Pro Skater with a Guitar Hero controller and people like that. You know what I mean? Like it, yes. it's a pride thing. It's like if a game is difficult and I can beat it, that means I'm better than you. Rather than games just being fun and like letting anybody have access to them. So I like hard games. Yeah. I complain about games a lot because right. I really value uh, the user experience. I want the game to be, I want the game to hold my hand a little bit, but not be like too explicit about right. it. I don't want them to jump down my throat. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's got to be a certain type of difficulty, like, yeah. like a game that just beats the shit out of you and doesn't explain anything about how to play it is is a problem. Yeah. I like games that uh you figure it out. Yeah. And it makes you feel smart. There's a there's a difference between like there's nothing wrong with like playing a good hard game. Yeah. But there's there is a difference between like good difficulty and bad difficulty. Yeah. I played the demo of Ghost Runner 2 recently. And I, it was difficult, but I was really enjoying it cuz yeah. it, it was like a Katana Zero thing where like you're do you're doing your run, but like you keep getting hurt, but like you're learning as you're going until you get to the motorcycle section and you have to barrel through a tube at supersonic speed, avoiding all the obstacles, and the controls are so loose that like you can't like you know get good traction in the tube, so you're flipping all over and crashing <laughs> into the walls. That's bad difficulty. Game sucks. Where's my camera? Game sucks. Don't play it. <laughs> I had a similar experience with the first Ghost Runner. Yeah. People liked it, but I did not did like it. Did the first one have a motorcycle in it? No. Then I might like it more. <laughs> no, it just controlled really weird. Yeah. Like I didn't like the way it, it felt. Because I, I I liked the controls of Ghost Runner 2 up until the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I, a good example is also Mario Maker. Like, I don't like the levels where, like the Kaizo levels where, yeah. or people call them Kaizo levels, where you just, like, you, you just get killed out of nowhere. Like, yeah. like you'll hit a, you'll go to jump over a gap and you'll hit a invisible block and die, you know, yeah. and you'll do that over and over again until you finally figure out where not to jump and stuff. Yeah. And I don't, that's bad design. I, I don't think that's a good difficulty. A yeah. good difficulty is when you know what you're, not supposed to do and it's just really hard to not yeah. do it yeah, like the deaths have to feel like they're your fault not yeah. the game's fault exactly yeah well we're not talking about dying we're talking about games that are holding your hand through right i think you know pardon the pun but it goes hand in hand you know yeah some people enjoy exploring the world and like yeah. figuring it out uh I do if the world is really enticing and there's a lot to do in the world, but for yeah. the most part, I just want to play through the main right. main quest and get through the game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't think Resident Evil Four is the type of game where you need to do a lot of exploring. You know? No. They try, like they added like exploring elements in the remake, but it's not yeah. really that type of game. Yeah, and a lot of the games where you're gonna be seeing yellow paint or white paint, uh, it's gonna be games where you're not really supposed to be exploring too much yeah. it's a linear experience mm -hmm. but i think the paint is uh is is a last resort i i think that uh there's a lot of other ways through art direction and game design where you could uh gently push people in the right direction of where they're right. supposed to go and I, I we talk about naughty dog a lot naughty yeah. dog i think does a really good job and then other games too yeah I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think <laughs> Arkham games probably do a good job of it. Well, the Arkham games are more open worlds. So, like, there's actually an arrow, like, pointing you, like, where the objective marker is. That's a good point. But, yeah. It, it, uh, well, in the first one. The, the first, first one, one really. not so much, no. Yeah. But, like, yeah, the, the level design of it, you know, they lay it all out, like, for you to see. Like, they give you certain cues, like, vents look a certain way. Yeah. And, like, grapple points look a certain way. And gargoyles look a certain way. And things like that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then uh, Griffinix says, end detective mode. That's a good point. Yeah. Arkham was a bad example. <laughs> yeah. Because Arkham really just tells you exactly what you need to yeah. do. Yeah. And then every game started adding detective mode to it. So Yeah, that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every Around that time, every game had a button you pressed, and then it literally just, everything that you needed to do lit you up. You walked and in on me playing Tomb Raider once, and I had, it was like the, I forgot what they called it, and you, you said... If this game fucking has Tomb Raider vision, <laughs> it's so stupid. It is. That's dumb. It was. That's worse than yellow paint. Like I like look, I love the Tomb Raider reboot, but yeah, Tomb Raider vision was not in in Batman. It makes sense because he's fucking Batman. Yeah. And he needs technology. Yeah. In Assassin's Creed, I understand it a little bit because these guys are like mystical beings that have like some yeah. sort of special powers. They also have it in the Hitman games. Like I guess. They also have it in uh, fucking The Last of Us. We're like, it's not Detective Vision. It's like, you, it, it's like that they do yeah. it in Hitman. Like, no, you it, sit and like you listen. It's Detective Vision. Yeah. It's Detective Vision. Yeah. In, in Tomb Raider, it just didn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> in The Last of Us, I kind of. The Last, the last of, of Us is like on the line. It's like almost. Well, the Last stupid. of Us and Hitman, like to their credit, they like bend it in a way that like makes sense for yeah. that universe like it's not just like hit a button and then the world goes blue and everybody's skeleton is highlighted like it it, it looks like he's listening carefully to what's going on yeah and in the in the last of us it's like that yeah. too it, it, it makes it seem like he's listening yeah uh, i guess it's just 
all the art direction around it. Like there's like uh, things are like pulsating yeah, and, yeah. And, and like stuff. You can clearly tell that he's like listening. But in Tomb Raider, it's like literally it's fucking <laughs> Tomb, <laughs> Tomb Vision. Vision. Yeah, that's like a a weird game design loophole. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with holding holding the, no. the viewer's hand. I, it it just needs there's a there's a little dance you have to do. Yeah, with uh with the game design, it's it takes a certain type of game for that to make sense and 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 for that to work out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna immediately throw a game out if it's got fucking yellow right in it. Same. Anyway, even if it does make like the art, even if it does clash with like the art direction. <laughs> I w- I'll j- I'll just be like that's a little stupid if it clashes yeah. with the art direction, similar to how I was with the yeah. uh, uh, Tomb Raider. Stupid. Keep Tomb in mind Vision. though, we come from a generation where most games, all you had to do was go to the right. Yeah. So, I do remember being upset about it with the Horizon VR game, but I think I just didn't like the Horizon VR game. I think yeah. it was just a stupid game. That was I th- I didn't like it because the whole game was so linear and then also it had the white paint and yeah. it's like you can't even go anywhere if you wanted to anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh we got more notifications. I don't remember where I left off. Ubriyoshi? Okay, so we got N64 boss. Thank you for gifting us up and Cat Cub, thank you for the prime and Katakoe, thank you for the 6 months. Oh, God. How are you guys? I'm great. How are you? Super. Thanks for asking. Uh, Twilight Princess has a sort of detective vision thing. Does it? I don't know. That predates Arkham. I mean, I'm sure other things had it before that. But when Arkham did it, every other third-person action game put it in the game. Yeah. Like, you know, Metal Gear had the night... Not Metal Gear. Splinter Cell had the the night vision goggles. Mm. But that was single-purpose night vision goggles. Detective Vision like explicitly highlighted things in the environment, your yeah. enemies, collectibles, things like that. The night vision goggles felt in world. Yeah. They're part they're part of, you know, Sam Fisher's like design and it's yeah. like synonymous with Splinter Cell. So that I, I, I understood that. I was fine with that. Oh God. Okay. Uh next news. What do we got? I don't even know. Oh, uh, we're doing the oh, we talked about the Xbox podcast. Yes. Uh we? real quick, follow up on the Xbox podcast okay. thing. Um with the rumors and speculation that Microsoft is going third party, um, what does this mean for actual Xboxes? Uh, well, according to journalist Shannon Liao, Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, told employees that Xbox currently has no plans to stop making consoles and that Xbox consoles will continue to be a part of its strategy, which involves multiple kinds of devices. So rest easy, all you Xbox out there. As of right now, they will still release and support Xbox systems. It's not going to really change anything, which I think is good because there are certain features and values that the Xbox does offer that are different from other platforms. Namely, their online capability, their you know, their storefront, their handling of digital assets that you purchase. I think like that. they I think Xbox has the best user experience as a piece of hardware. Out of every console that's currently out, yeah. if you don't count the Steam Deck, right? I think the Steam Deck is up there with the Xbox. Yeah, uh, they do a lot of things better than every other console manufacturer does. It's just a shame they have a lot less of the value that every yeah. other console manufacturer yeah. has. Because even like, though they have Game Pass, still, if you're comparing purely games, it might be worth it against yeah. something else. Because like on Xbox, uh, cloud save storage is free. 
on it's Play- free and it's seamless. Yes. It's completely seamless. On PlayStation, you have to subscribe to PlayStation Plus in order to access your cloud saves. And you have like it doesn't just go to your console. You have to like download it to your console. And if your subscription lapsed, like mine has, <laughs> guess what? You don't get your PS4 game saves anymore. Unless you turn on your PS4, copy it to a thumb drive, and bring it to your PS5. I have never thought about my purchases or my saves on my xbox yeah and i've had multiple xbox series yeah and i have never once been like oh did my cloud save sync mm-hmm. never once and i've also played game pass through different devices and my fucking cloud save even if i own the game physically yeah. the cloud save still works through game pass right. and everything so there are still benefits to owning an xbox over a playstation also also the the remote play is better than playstation yeah. remote play uh, the way that the Xbox enters sleep mode is better than the way the PlayStation does. The mm. energy efficiency is way better. There's so so many things that I like more about the Xbox. Yeah, I, I think it even does. Uh, uh, technically, it has a higher resolution at 120 hertz. I think yeah. that uh, PlayStation does a weird thing with 4K 120, yeah. and Xbox does not. I mean, something weird like that. And to be fair and balanced, yes, the PlayStation does have advantages over the Xbox. Namely, you can use games, games, <laughs> the, the first party games. Um, you can use any off the shelf SSD to expand your storage rather than having to buy a stupid proprietary memory card. And it's very easy to do. Yes. Uh, the control, the DualSense controller is an incredible piece of tech. I think I might actually like it more than an Xbox controller, which is weird for me because those are my favorite controllers. That's um, I, I found it really comfortable. I like the the triggers and the you know the motion capabilities of it the speaker does not sound like butt finally <laughs> like you think that's a stupid thing but that actually really there's impresses a lot me. that i don't like about the playstation controller really uh i so i recently found out it's a higher polling rate which means it's faster yeah it has less input lag uh and i tried to like it over the xbox controller because it's so much slower than an xbox controller but I, first of all, you don't notice the polling rate difference. Second of yeah. all, it's just Xbox controller is so much more comfortable. Yeah. Also, what I hate about the PlayStation controller, every time I fucking plug it into something that's not a PlayStation, mm-hmm. all my audio devices change to the controller. <laughs> I think it thinks the controller is right. a speaker and a microphone. Fucking hate that. Yeah. But that's different. Xbox controller just works great with everything. Yeah. I got a lot of picadillos about playstation 5 and i do like the uh xbox series a right. lot but uh i still think microsoft is probably uh focusing less on selling hardware but i do think that they will continue to sell hardware oh absolutely i mean he just said it himself yeah. but the chat's saying that uh this is a rumor this has not been confirmed it's according to journalist shannon leo yes so that is uh from an internal memo sent to microsoft employee uh sorry that is from what Phil Spencer himself said to Microsoft employees. Yeah. So. But the big thing is the games. Uh, they yeah. need to get some games that people want. That's yes. the only way that they're going to sell systems. I mean, it really, like, it sucks because we're not going to know until Thursday and we're not going to be able to cover it until Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. We'll see. Uh. Anyway, any notifications? No. We're going to... Do a very special thing. Do it. How about we do that? You guys have no idea. Backlog! Backlog! Backlog!
Yeah. Yeah. So it's back, motherfuckers. All right. We decided we're doing it again. Yes. Uh, We've gotten this request a lot. Uh, we used to have a show on the main Wolf Den channel called mm-hmm. The Backlog. Yes. And people have been wanting to get to come back and we're always like, no, shut the hell up. Uh, and some people have suggested doing it on uh, the podcast. And yeah. I've always said, no, shut the hell up. But now if we're going to do clips, yeah, might as well. Again, we're trying new things here. This is one of the new things. Uh, so if you don't know how this works. Uh, how does it work, Will? Basically, you know, for our whole lives, we put every game we've ever owned we catalog it in an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, even now that we live separately and we buy our own games, we don't share our games anymore. Um, I got to add games to this list. Yeah, I got to add games, <laughs> so I got to redo it. But anyway, our entire video game library, 30 years, over 30 years, close to 40 years of video game God, history. God help us. On, an, on a Google Doc Excel sheet. And we are going to pick one at random yes. and talk about it regardless of whether or not we actually have played it yes so this is our collective collection of games yes that we've had because we're we're brothers and we used to live together yeah we shared everything uh and we got a huge list of games what is the number that we're at now which again we need to add games to this yes uh i haven't touched this list since the last time we did the backlog i try to keep it updated as much as possible at least in my end oh fuck as of right now i gotta like go through it i gotta prune it i gotta take games out when i as of right now, 908. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's without my, that's like barely any of my Switch games. Right. <laughs> and, and all my Steam Deck Steam stuff. games, yeah. Yeah. 908? Yeah. Okay. So I will pick a random number. That is 325. 325. Okay. What are we working with here? Three, two, five. Duck game for the Nintendo Switch. You gotta be fucking <laughs> no, kidding me. It's Duck game. So uh, one is, person will be extremely happy. This is you, because I actually have not played Duck You've game. You've never played Duck I've game? I've never played Duck game. Duck game? I know you talk about it a lot. Duck game kind of fucking slaps, dude. <laughs> it's it's a little old by now. You can yeah. get it on Steam. Uh, so if, if you're not playing the Switch anymore, like I'm not, yeah. uh, get it on Steam. It'll probably be cheaper. And easier to play with your friends on Steam. Right. Uh, Duck game is essentially Smash Brothers. With ducks. With ducks and guns. Uh-huh. And uh, and various weapons that you like right. pick up and, and, and use throughout the level. I think each level has different types of weapons. Think of the weapons like they would be in like GoldenEye or Halo where you like uh, procure them in the level. Um, but it's a 2D game. Like Smash Brothers, you're on a... Uh, you're on a level that's floating in space. Right. And you got to knock the other guy off the level or kill them uh-huh. by shooting them in the face. Right. And the, there's like barely any health. You shoot a guy once and he's fucking dead. Yeah. Um, and and the levels are super quick. You, you load into the level. You just blow each other up and then the level's over and you go to the next level. And it's like a gauntlet. You go through like, I think, 12 different levels or something until it's... Uh, until you're you're you you, the the one who has the most wins between the levels wins the whole whole thing and there's silly little like hats you can get if you you you, if you play the game a lot you can unlock certain things and the whole thing's silly and stupid there's only two buttons actually there's three buttons there's jump there's shoot and there's quack there's a quack (laughs) button uh you can play dead you can just hold down on the d-pad and Uh lay down and uh people like to lay down and quack you go quack 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 it's awesome nice uh i played this a decent amount uh with my stream 
uh because you can just you know have an uh, like a like open up the lobby and like you know play with i think it's uh, up to f last time i checked it was four players uh it might be more now so it says online multiplayer LAN pvp uh eight players okay. two to eight players plus four spectators in either local multiplayer couch combat or online play so on uh so on steam it is 12.99 yeah and then there's a four pack with forty dollars. Includes four copies of Duck Game. Okay, so Percent for forty dollars, you can give it to your friends. Uh, I'm realizing now we got to start like playing the trailers and stuff on the, on yeah. the <laughs> screen, or else no one's going to be able to see it. Uh, I'd see that it's published by Adult Swim Games. I always forget that Adult Swim like has a video game publishing mm -hmm. arm, and they've made some wacky ass shit yeah. over the years. Uh, Duck Game, various Rick and Morty games. Uh, Surgeon Simulator is like a popular one. They did Surgeon Simulator. I yeah, didn't know that. that was them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, God, that's gonna keep playing for people. Stop playing the music. <laughs> uh, no, Duck Game's great. It's cheap. Uh, maybe put it on your wish list on Steam if you want it on Steam. I'm sure it'll be on sale any minute now. Yeah. Uh, this is a great game to just play with a bunch of people. There, uh, even couch co-op. Plug a bunch yeah. of uh, hook up a bunch of controllers to your Steam Deck or whatever, or even on Switch, you could play with just one sideways Joy-Con. There you go, uh, and have a fine time. It's a fun little romp. Uh, it's maybe easier to wrap your head around this Smash Brothers if you want to play with people who like don't play a lot of video games. And it's good for like a good little like thirty minute romp yeah. with with your friends. Cool. Uh, I like it. There you go. There you go, guys. Thanks for joining us on the backlog. <laughs> uh, this is. What you could expect from the backlog is gonna be yeah. a lot, it's gonna be a lot of wacky stuff. What? Sometimes some popular games. Yeah, sometimes some popular games. Sometimes some weird ass shit. Uh, and sometimes just us trying to figure out why we bought a game in the first place. Yeah. So I don't think I bought this. I might have gotten a code for it, but okay. then I. But this was this came out on the Switch uh, when there wasn't a lot of games on the Switch. Right. It was very early. No, uh, 20, 2015 was the Steam release. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know it was that old. That was before the Switch. I played it on Switch. Right. Uh, so when was it out on Switch? 2019? Okay, that's oh, not wow. that early. Yeah. Uh, May 2019. I'm pretty sure I got a code for it, but I just, I think I was sucked into the marketing because yeah. it's funny. It's a funny, it's a funny game. Right. Especially with the, with the quack button. So it's great. Thanks, guys, for watching the backlog. If you yeah. want more, subscribe to the Wolf Den Podcast YouTube channel. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And we also will probably have a playlist of every backlog. Yeah. Ever. If you don't know what the backlog if you is. Want, if you want to watch the backlog of the backlog, you can yeah. dive into your own backlog. Yeah. We'll update the list and have some more games on there. But yeah. uh, goodbye. Bye. Uh, don't but, leave. Uh, you, if you're watching if you're, the podcast, don't stay leave. Stay here if you just watch the backlog clip. Goodbye. We'll, we'll get we'll get better at yes. this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, where wh who are you? Uh, all right. Let's talk about some notifications. We got Ethel. Thanks for the fifty-two months. He says what? Because <laughs> of the backlog, right? Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about IGN taking over E3. Uh, February 13th, that's today. IGN has announced it will host IGN Live, an in-person three-day fan event in Los Angeles this summer featuring gaming and entertainment uh, creators, developers, publishers, and enthusiasts. The event will take place in early June, and while official exhibitors are expected to be announced in the coming weeks, for now it, uh, 
It promises to include world-class talent, parties, uh, networking opportunities, and unique attractions from a curated list of leading exhibitors across gaming and entertainment. It will include live IGN shows, tournament, first look um, at new releases, and panels featuring headliners from games, television, movies, and more. A portion of ticket sales will go to charity via the Humble Bundle. IGN Live will serve as one component of IGN's annual Summer of Gaming event, uh, which has been running in digital formats since 2020 and has historically included a number of gaming announcements, celebrity appearances, interviews, and other presentations. In addition to in-person event, IGN Live will also stream in presentations, uh, will stream its presentations over console, mobile apps, and on IGN channels. I was wondering when they were going to do this. Like, I figured when E3 was going under, uh, IGN would be the ones to step up, you know? Yeah. And, and I was surprised that Jeff Keighley did his thing instead. Uh, the sum, summer of... Uh, I'm not... I mean, I'm not surprised Jeff, Fest. like, did it because he's got the Game Awards. He's basically become, like, the de facto, like, representative of all video games somehow. I mean, in my mind, he was number two. Right. Number one, I thought, would be IGN. Right. Because well, they just have so, uh, such an in with the whole game the industry. whole games industry and yeah. their reach too i feel like is much yeah. bigger than jeff on his own right um but now it seems like ign is finally like we'll we'll do it <laughs> so summer games fest is still also happening though yes right? okay <laughs> this just sounds like it's going to be another one they don't specifically say this is their answer to e3 mm -hmm. but everything that they're saying about what the show is sounds like it's going to be e3 because like e3 let us not forget it's supposed to be an industry-only event that was not just for showing off games, but also about connecting with other developers and the press right. and, like, store owners. And also, like, you know, talking to developers and trying to get a job in the industry. That That's what it actually was about. This doesn't sound like an industry-only thing. No, it's explicitly not going to be industry-only. Right. Um, I saw somewhere somebody said that, like, one of the big problems with E3, especially in the later years was the the split between like it being a fan event and it being an industry right. event yeah we and all that, agree on yes. that and that's something that they wanted to address with right. this like do a better version of that i think summer games fest the actual event is industry only right yeah the, the, but you know uh they've got they had some big things there they had uh sonic superstars and stuff yeah. but uh it wasn't like that crazy yeah. compared to e3 i don't think we're gonna have as big names as we did at E3, even at something like IGN Live. I think we'll have some big stuff, but it's not gonna, you're not gonna see like, yeah, Nintendo, it's not Xbox gonna be like PlayStation it, announcing any exactly, of their big stuff there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think they've learned that we could just do it ourselves. Yeah. We and they have been to, doing it themselves. Yeah. yeah. We don't need to pretend to support other people. Yeah. They did something last year. Well, it, yeah, the summer of gaming, uh, yeah. but it lasts, it was like weeks, right? Uh, summer I, of gaming. They announced so. a lot of stuff. Yeah, I remember in particular, like the uh, the, the Nitro deck thing was announced. Yeah, there. the um, the Razer Kitsune was announced there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what else. Those the, are the things that I was interested. in. Well, the in. big thing about this is it's specifically going to be in person. Right. That's the thing where like there's going to be one place where everybody gets together to see these games and to talk to people and like hang out and like watch this stuff. I get the appeal of an in-person event like this. Obviously, they're going to like stream it on like their website and yeah. on other platforms. But I just feel like 
people, the thing that gets most people excited about E3 was like the stuff you watched at home. Not necessarily like the stuff on the show floor. Yeah, but you know what? IGN ran a lot of that. True. Like after G4, yeah. I just I was like, okay, I'll turn off the TV and turn on my computer to IGN to watch mm-hmm. E3, you know? And yeah. I still I did that for years. Yeah. Until Jeff Keeley started doing stuff. Yeah. And then I would watch him. Um but yeah, the, I mean IGN's doing this because they have the most to gain. This is yeah. this is all eyes on IGN for uh, a week or however long they're they're doing it for. Uh-huh. Which is why I think like the big publishers, they'd have to do something to incentivize them to announce big stuff there because yeah. they'd be doing IGN a huge favor by by announcing stuff. There. Yeah. Okay, I mean I'm I, I I I like that other people are are doing big events, tr- trying to yeah. have some sort of replacement for. Yeah, E3. I get like the. I, I, I'm glad that we're moving on from E3. Yes, really. The, the idea of like one time of the year where like all gaming gets together and announces their like lineup for the next year and beyond, mm-hmm. like that, like has never lost its appeal. Mm-hmm. I think E3 specifically, the way they were doing things, was losing its luster over the years until. Finally, COVID took it out back and shot it. Yes. So, uh, well, you took it out back. COVID shot it. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. the reason. <laughs> I'm the fucking reason we got rid of that shit. All right. Uh, but it's not just IGN bringing back E3. <laughs> Taco Bell. Taco Bell, apparently. I <laughs> saw this on TikTok, and this was awesome. Taco Bell Live Moss Live 2024, uh, which streams earlier on one uh, did this stream February 9th. Uh, it's hosted by rapper Amari White and features all the greatest hits we've come to love from gaming presentations. It opened with a montage celebrating Taco Bell, followed by a few words from Taco Bell CEO Sean Trevison, uh, clad in explicably in a leather jacket over an untucked white button-down collared shirt, uh, who starts by shouting out a bunch of influencers in the audience before giving the audience a Taco Bell history lesson, including the deeper philosophy of behind Live Moss. This was followed by a look behind the curtain at the Taco Bell test kitchen with uh global chef global chief food innovator innovation officer liz matthews taking the stage to reveal a bunch of new menu items triple decker tacos more coffee choices uh goiza more vegan options a partnership with ice cream chain salt and straw for what appears to be ice cream tacos a baffling cross uh cross between a chimichanga and a chalupa and the introduction of taco bell milkshakes and also baja blast pie so it the, the Baja Blast pie looks bizarre. Yeah. Um there's a lot of Baja Blast flavored stuff. Yes. And that's because Baja Blast is is very synonymous with Taco Bell and everybody yes. you know goes nuts about yeah. about Baja. Baja and now you can Blast. buy Baja Blast in the store. They just like sell really? it in stores now. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm trying to find like an article that has like pictures of all of the new menu items. Yeah. But I uh Oh, here's a BuzzFeed one. <laughs> so they have a picture of the Bob last pie, and it's a weird color uh, green. Yeah. Uh, it's the Baja Blast green. Yeah, but it's off-putting as a pie. Yeah, oh, 100%. So I just Googled what is the flavor profile of Baja Blast, because yeah. I've had it, I've but had I can't it, yeah. put my finger on it. I remember like when I've had it, I would always say to myself, you know, regular Mountain Dew is better. <laughs> no, I like Baja Blast. I don't like Baja Blast. 
It is tropical lime flavor. Okay. Of Mountain Dew. It's Mountain Dew, but more limey. Okay. You know? It's weird, because I like lime. So, I think the Mountain Dew... Uh, the Mountain Dew pie, or the Baja Blast pie, is really just... There it is. It's just key lime pie. Yeah. So that's fine. I like key lime Yeah. Pie. It's just a weird it's just colored... colored Baja Blast color. Yeah, just a weird colored key lime yeah. pie. Uh, also, what is the blue Dorito? Oh, it's an extra. Cool Ranch. This is blue Doritos. I'm sorry. Cheese it. Oh. And it's only blue because it's an x-ray. Yes. It's just because, literally a giant cheese. Uh, the Taco Bell E3 had one more thing. This was the one more thing? It was <laughs> It was a crunch wrap with a cheese it inside. Instead a, of the a, taco shell, it's a cheese it. A big fat cheese. Yes. Okay. They could have done that with Dorito, with cheesy Dorito. True. But I think a cheese it, like that's a diff that's a whole different thing entirely. Mm-hmm. We're, only because it's thicker. Yeah. Where where do where do we stand on Taco Bell? I actually had to have a serious conversation with a friend of mine who like went on a tear in our group chat of how much he doesn't like Taco Bell. I had to calmly explain to this man. You were the original Taco Bell hater. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Yeah, didn't you not? I never liked no, Taco I, Bell. No, I, I never hated Taco Bell. Never liked Taco Bell. I just, I've come to the realization that Taco Bell is for a very specific moment yeah. in your day. Yeah, usually the two lowest, o'clock in the morning. <laughs> usually the lowest moment of your day. Yeah, you know, like fourth meal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never liked Taco Bell. Ate it all the time at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because you're right. It is the lowest point of right. your life. Yeah, basically, you're, that's your rock bottom. Kids like Taco Bell because kids are poor and they don't yes. know any better, and kids are always in the worst moment of their life. That's why Taco Bell is successful with kids. Yeah, when I was poor. Yeah, I I. That's the that's the thing though. That's the difference. Is I didn't like it, but I had to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like yeah. it. Cuz I felt obligated to have it and it, there I wish I wished for more. Right. <laughs> um that being said, if I've already eaten lunch and dinner mm-hmm. and I'm feeling a little crazy, why not? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now these these options I'll go for a key, a key lime pie at yeah. two o'clock in the morning. Maybe, that they're, maybe they're trying to broaden their appeal so that you eat them at like eleven o'clock at night instead <laughs> of two o'clock. At night. Yeah, they're getting a little fancy. Yeah, uh, cinnamon twists still fuck. No, no, yeah, no, yes, absolutely. Those absolutely do fuck. I will eat those at any time of the day. Those are good. I will eat them, but they taste like the free shit you get on the side at like Fridays, you know, like the little, no, no, at cheesecake factory, yeah. the little straw things. Yes. They, they're that with cinnamon on it, cinnamon sugar on it. But the cinnamon makes it taste good. Fine. Fine. Something else I wanted to say about Taco Bell. I don't know. Fucking enjoy yourselves. Everybody. I hope, I hope everybody's <laughs> happy with what we, Oh, um, made tacos for the Super Bowl the other day. Okay. You can just get the Dorito shell taco shells yes. at the supermarket. Yeah, Old El Paso. They're, yeah, I've yeah they're those. not Dorito. but no, they're like nacho cheese chip. They taste exactly the yeah. same. And they're great. You can also get, I've seen this at certain supermarkets, the, you know, like the taco seasoning packets. Taco Bell makes their own. So you can just get that. <laughs> And have Taco Bell at home. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Not that that's cheaper. No. Fucking supermarkets is a little crazy. Supermarkets way you'd too... Think, you'd yeah. think that, you know, you could... You know, you're supposed to cook at home and save a little, a little bit of money. No. No, it's... It's so much cheaper to go yeah. to Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're getting fake meat, but... <laughs> All right. Uh, any notifications? We got Tsukasa with 26 months. Looking forward to not E3. Yes, sir. But if you cook it at home, will it still give you diarrhea? Oh, when you're in your mid 30s, everything, everything gives you everything diarrhea. Gives you diarrhea. <laughs> um, let's talk about our favorite uh, corporate overlords, Disney. Yes, this is actually big news. Um, so this will probably be a clip. Hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> Disney has purchased a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games and teamed up with the company to develop a new expansive, open, persistent, and social universe that will in, uh, interoperate with Fortnite and let fans play, watch, shop, and engage with their favorite characters and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. The news was revealed during Disney's uh, first quarter Quarter one, uh, fiscal year 24 earnings call, and it was announced that this new experience built in Unreal Engine will let players create their own stories and experiences, express their fandom in a distinctly Disney way, and share content with each other in uh, ways that they love. Our exciting new relationship with Epic Games will bring together Disney's beloved brands and franchises with a hugely popular Fortnite um, in a transformative new uh, games and entertainment universe says Robert Iger, chief executive officer, and also big time dummy of the Walt <laughs> Disney Company. This marks Disney's biggest entry ever into the world of games and offers significant opportunities for growth and expansion. We cannot wait for fans to experience the Disney stories uh, and worlds uh, they love in groundbreaking new ways. Disney has one of the as one of the first companies to believe in the potential of bringing their worlds together. Uh, with ours in Fortnite, and they use Unreal Engine across their portfolio, said Tim Sweeney, CEO and founder of Epic Games, and liked the tweet of mine one time, so we're best friends. Um, now we're collaborating on something entirely new to build that persistent, open, and interoperable ecosystem that will bring together the Disney and Fortnite communities. Disney was one of the first companies to believe in the potential of bringing their worlds together with ours in Fortnite. Is I think that's that- true. Uh, well, there were a lot of like Star Wars and Marvel characters in Fortnite, like towards the beginning when they started doing all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess so. They're one of the big ones for for sure. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, this is very strange. I'm a little concerned about this. It it it's giving me uh non flashbacks to the EA partnership uh, with the. Uh, uh, Disney and oh, the Star, the Star Wars, Wars stuff with the Star Wars license yeah. specifically. Now it's all of Disney. See, I feel like that's a little <laughs> different. That was them. They basically just farmed out Star Wars. They were like, "Here, yeah, they, you they do said, something with this, this IP that we own. Here you go, EA. You, you do, do something." It. This is this is Disney actively like investing money into the company, like before they even do anything. Because they believe that this specific company will get them the foothold in gaming that they've always wanted. Yeah, but the concern there is that since they have a stake in Epic Games, they're going to want all of their IPs to be all over Epic Games stuff. Like they're right. they're going to want, when they, when they think about video games, like, oh, we need a Star Wars game. Oh, we need a Marvel game. They're going to think about Epic first. Because right. that's where their, their, their foothold is. Well, here's 
and I tweeted this out. Let's. This is what Bob Iger said about the the whole thing. He said, "When I saw this is going to be so the most boomer fucking sentence you will hear all day. When I saw Gen Z and Gen Alpha and Millennials, the amount of time they spend in terms of total media screen time on video games, it was stunning, equal <laughs> to what they spend on TV and movies. The conclusion I reached: we have to be there." Did you tweet about this? I, I did. Remember, yeah, I remember seeing this. Because I said, this is the same guy, and I had this the news article for it. I cite my sources. This is the same guy who closed down Disney Interactive, their in-house video game division, in 2016 because he did not have enough confidence in the business in terms of it being stable enough to stay in it for a self-publishing perspective. Mm-hmm. So 2016, like, what was what's that, like eight years ago? He didn't believe in Disney's own capability of making video games, so he shut the whole thing down and started farming out the IP to other studios. That's why uh, EA got Star Wars for 10 years. I mean, that's why Sony got Spider-Man, but that's also why uh, Square Enix got Avengers. You know? And now all of a sudden, he realized kids these days are playing the Fortnite. We gotta get in on the Fortnite. I don't understand how these rich old dumb fucks yes <laughs> like they i mean they have they can't be that they can't be stupid because they're it, they're making all this money they're doing some things right you know right uh but there's something happens where like you you can see you know from the third person's perspective you're watching it and you're like how the fuck could you be doing it how the fuck could you throw all of that away? Yeah. And I guess in this perspective, in this situation with Disney, they had games and some of them did really good. But when they're looking at the paper, they're probably like, what's this medium that's costing us a lot of money? Yeah. This ain't working out for us. Let's give it to people who could do, who know better, who right. know the medium of video games. So they give it to fucking EA because they see <laughs> on paper that EA makes a shit ton of money, but they don't know that. In the world of video games, they make the, god awful games. Yes. <laughs> so they're like, "Here, you guys figure it out, okay?" And then they and then they shit all over it. Yeah. And then Disney's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. We need to pay more attention with gaming because because gaming's got got all of the money. Yeah. You know anything We're, about esports? I yeah. hear esports <laughs> exactly is a, big, is a big thing right now. I think the partnership with Fortnite specifically, because like when Bob Iger came back, like one of his things was like trying to get like his foot in the metaverse and i know metaverse web 3 crypto esports ai fortnite is probably the closest anyone has come to like a metaverse that works mm-hmm. so you know in a way he is like you know getting in bed with the winner of that arms race to like to create the metaverse and it doesn't sound like it's going to be like games in the way we normally think of games like i don't think we're getting a, a mickey mouse game anytime soon i don't think this means that we're gonna get kingdom hearts 4 anytime soon or anything like that i think this is explicitly creating a a universe for disney ip that also connects to fortnite in some roundabout way yeah i mean fortnite is i mean at one point was the biggest game in the world and it still is one of the biggest games in the world yeah uh, and they are in a position to be their own massive platform. 
of yeah. game, you know, the metaverse, as you say. Yeah, especially now that they have, like, within Fortnite, they have a Lego game. They have a racing game. They have Rock Band. Yeah, they're it. trying to, I've said this before, they're trying to be Roblox. They're yeah. trying to be the platform where you play other games inside of it. Uh, and that makes sense, and it makes sense for Disney to want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, buying a stake in it is interesting. Because usually, I mean, these days we really see companies buying the whole thing. Yeah. Or buying a majority. Uh, buying only 10% is weird. But yeah. again, I think this sets a weird... Uh, this is going to be weird because uh, they're going to now focus on Epic uh, for future projects. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do use Unreal for like the Mandalorian and like um, the big volume that they have where they film all that shit. That provides the background stuff for it. Um, so they have already invested in Epic before to use Unreal. And now they're, you know, trying to get their toes back into... Making games themselves, I guess. Yeah. Oh. We'll uh, see how that goes. What published, not published, what, what game studios does Epic own? Harmonix, Psyonix, you know, the Rock Band developers, the Rocket League developers. Uh, I think they own People Can Fly, who made uh, Bulletstorm and uh, Painkiller. Mediatonic, Harmonix, and Psionics, yeah. yeah. Is that it? I thought, of, in my head, Epic ha is like a conglomerate. Uh, so, like, they're still going to need other studios to make Disney games. Right. People, They do own People Can Fly, but they renamed it... Oh, no. Ep, sorry. They named it Epic Games Poland. Oh, no, no. People Can Fly is now independent again. Never mind. They have a deal with Remedy, right? Epic? Yeah. I don't know. Well, because because uh, Alan Wake went on... Uh... Oh, right. Well, went on the Epic Game Store. Yeah, yeah. But they have, like... Epic Games has deals with a lot of publishers and stuff. Like, I think mm -hmm. they have a deal with Ubisoft, and, like, those games don't necessarily uh... use Unreal. Okay. Well, they do have an Ubisoft game coming out soon. Yeah. So... Uh, Flo says, can we exclude the Jedi Survivor games in the shit all over talk? Uh, yes. Yeah. Except that you need to log into to EA to play the fucking game. Yeah. And, uh, on, on any platform. So it makes, it discourages me from playing it every time. Every time I boot the game up, realize I have to log in and then I, 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 the, the fucking the EA launcher breaks whatever I'm trying to play it on, and then I just can't do it, and then yeah. I give up. Even though I have played it on my Steam Deck before. Right. I played it on my ROG Ally before, but for some reason, that the, the EA store yeah. breaks everything. Also, uh, those games were made by Respawn, which seems to be the only company within EA that knows what they're doing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they made Titanfall. Those games are great. They made the Jedi games. Those games are great. It's just... EA doesn't like them for some uh, reason. Who's working on Apex? That might be another respawn. I think there's two respawn teams. Oh, okay. That would make sense. I might be wrong. Uh, respawn Entertainment. Okay. It says respawn. Probably different divisions inside of respawn. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay. I'm a little concerned about about Disney going whole hog on any yeah 1.5 billion is a lot of hog to like <laughs> give to a company to give to a industry that you have in the past said you have no idea what you're doing in there 
and now all of a sudden you do. So they haven't been making good moves, <coughs> Disney. No. So uh, and it's amazing because like ever since Bob Iger came back, like the veneer has gone off of him because he used to be like he had this presentation of like he was a very creator forward guy. Like he gave creatives a lot of leeway to make what they needed to make. Um, that's why he bought like, you know, his acquisitions of like Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm. Like they were all like praises, like good business moves to like help build the Disney portfolio out. And now ever since he's come back, it's just been like, hey, maybe this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't know. I mean, you can't, always make the right decision no, no one person can always be making the right decisions but uh i mean when you're the guy who's make who's supposed to be making the company trillions of dollars yeah um it just seems so obvious from our perspective you know as as people who play these games to be like what are you yeah what are you doing but i mean it must be different being in the being on top of it i don't know also no just can we go back to like that quote man because like that is seriously the most like old man looks at kids these days like yeah. oh they're playing the video game like this is why i will never have imposter syndrome yeah because <laughs> these people have so oh much confidence to, it, to just make the worst decisions seriously like, let's call twitter x yeah <laughs> exactly uh let me spend billions of my dollars on this website just then, to shut down a kid who's tweeting the location of my plane Mm-hmm. And also possibly because I think it caused my one kid to turn trans. <laughs> That's the other conspiracy theory. Wait, out that there. Twitter did it? Yeah. The the ideas that were put out on Twitter caused Elon's one child who is trans to turn trans and then hate his guts. Is Twitter making everyone trans? <laughs> That's the, that's what it I is? guess. I thought it was the fluoride in the water. I, th- I thought it was Taylor Swift and Joe Biden teaming you, up to you get mean the Chiefs I, to win. You mean I can drink water again? <laughs> <laughs> Not giving up Twitter, though. I guess I'll just be trans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Wow, this went this went this this episode went crazy. We were supposed to keep it short, but here we are talking about <laughs> talking about the issues. Just remember. That the only good billionaire is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and I will not hear otherwise. Uh, debatable. Moving on. More <laughs> Disney news. Spider-Man 2 is will be getting a big update on March 7th. And it will include a highly anticipated new game plus mode. Alongside new suits and more. This is the PlayStation Spider-Man 2. Yes, not to be okay. confused with the movie Spider-Man 2. Or the movie, uh, the Spider-Man 2, the movie, the game, or the Spider-Man 2 on PS1, or the Spider-Man 2 on Game Boy, or right. the Amazing Spider-Man 2, or that. Yes. 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 There's a lot of There's Spider-Man 2s. There's a lot of Spider-Man 2s. Marvel's Spider-Man 2 from last year is getting an update on March 7th. It'll have a new suits. It'll have new game plus and more. Don't know what the and more is necessarily, but. We'll I appreciate that they are continuing to update this game. Yes. Uh, I know New Game Plus was like a really like asked for feature. Um, so now it's good that it's finally coming. Uh, I don't know if that'll be enough to get me to go back in the game because I've already done everything in it. I barely scratched the surface and I'm never turning that game on again. <laughs> it might be interesting because now that I'm like fully powered up and I got all the suits mm-hmm. so I can just go through. That was a long game. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated when they did all of the updates for the PC version, like being able to play it in widescreen and stuff. Yeah, is pretty cool. I think Sony did a lot of cool stuff with um, 
PC ports of their games. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of which, uh, we didn't talk about this at all, but um, I I played a little bit of Helldivers. Okay. That is a Sony published game. Yes. Or PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Also launched day one on PC. Yes. Uh, so I bought it on Steam and I played it on my ROG Ally. It runs like dog shit on right. the ROG Ally. Uh, like 20 frames a second. I think there's some settings I could tweak to make it not run like shit. But it run. I heard it runs good on Steam Deck and I downloaded it on the Steam Deck. So I'm going to play it on the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. I'd imagine it would be a lot better if I played with people. I only played it by myself. It's very hard to play by yourself because right. it's a horde mode. You're basically playing Left 4 Dead by yourself. Um, but it's cool and it runs great on the computer. And uh, it's great to see Sony releasing their game on PC on other platforms. Yeah. I, I, I And it sold really well. So I hope this shows Sony like, oh, maybe we can be successful if we uh let down the walls to our garden you know yes so and like hopefully it's a trend i mean we're gonna see it with like a bungee's game marathon that's gonna be a multi-platform game oh really when it comes out. yeah okay um but i mean i don't think we're gonna see like you know the next uncharted or the last like their, their single player games are not gonna be day and date on pc right but i think if hell divers which is a multiplayer game you know having that day and date on pc having their multiplayer games day and date on pc is a good way to ex- like expand the audience and just have more of a player base for your multiplayer game i hope the kojima games go that way because death yeah. stranding uh had a weird relationship with sony like it was yeah. like they considered it a first party game but he was like we are not a first party yeah sony studio. <laughs> he, he was like offended that they included death stranding in the reels for sony first party stuff and like Death Stranding on PC is, I think, published by 505 Games. It's not published yes. by Sony. No, you're right. And, and it was, it launched in Game Pass. It did? Well, it didn't launch. I don't know if it launched in Game Pass, but it was a part of Game Pass. Well, I was going to say, Death Stranding on PC came out like a year after the game came out. Yeah. Like, it did the same thing that Sony first party games usually do, where yeah. they, they wait for like a year. They give mm-hmm. it like a little grace period. Uh, So. Kojima's got Death Stranding 2. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to launch. I don't know if that's going to be a PlayStation thing. I I I just I hope not. Right. Um he has an Xbox title. Yes. That's is that the one with the uh, That's OD. That's that, the one with um Odo Creer and uh Sophie Lillis, a uh, Hunter Schaefer. That's the one Jordan Peele's working on. Jordan Peele was the name I was trying to <laughs> say. Um yeah, and then he's got the tactical espionage action game that we don't know anything about. That's just called Fizzant, and it's also a movie, kind of. So we don't know anything about that. We know one thing about it, because there's an article in here oh, about it. I guess we could talk about that. Yes. Uh, we know that Kojima says the fans and his health are to blame for that game. What the hell? Uh, Kojima... Uh, Hideo Kojima announced a new action espionage game called Fizzant at Sony's uh, PlayStation State of Play event. To hear the founder of Kojima Productions describe it, Fizzant sure sounds like a new take on Metal Gear, the stealth series that Kojima created, but takes uh, take it to its extreme. On a new episode on his YouTube channel, uh, HideoTube, 
The first one in seven years. I uh, thought I was taking a long break. Uh, Kojima <laughs> says that constant prodding from Metal Gear fans to make something new in that vein pushed him to return to the action espionage genre. A health scare in 2020 also sounds uh, instrumental in Kojima's choice to tackle a third development project. Kojima describes Fizzin as both a game and a movie at the same time. Hence the game's uh, reveal at the Sony Pictures lot. Kojima emphasized that Fizzin will be first and foremost a game uh, however, if your mother walks in and sees you playing this game, she will think you're watching a movie, he said in the translated comments. He then talks about the path that led him back to the genre, saying, uh, Because I became independent, I wanted to do something new with my own IP, so I challenged myself. I first made Death Stranding, then to create a franchise, I made De Death Stranding 2, and I wanted to do something even newer, so I started work on OD. And since then, there have been a lot of new ideas, but in the last eight years, every day on social media from users all around the world, people have been asking me to create another Metal Gear and stuff like that. Kojima says he fell ill in 2020 during the COVID-19 pandemic and underwent surgery for his condition. The creator says that he was at his lowest point then and considered getting out of game development. Kojima makes his condition uh, makes his condition at the time sound dire, knowing that he wrote out his will. Uh, and in that moment, I realized that people die, he explained. Oh my god. I turned 60 last year. I'll be 70 in 10 years. I hope to never retire. Having said that, if uh, users desire it so much, I thought I should change my priorities a bit. I uh, still want to do new things, but I decided to make an action espionage game. That was in 2020. Yes. That also happens to be the same year that Death Stranding came out on Windows. So I think the Windows port killed him. Yeah, sounds like it. Nearly <laughs> killed him. That's crazy. I, I guess we didn't really know uh, that he had a health scare around, around that time. Yeah. But I guess that was a good time to have a health scare because that was after Death Stranding had already yeah. come out. So he, really, he, was, he had like a little grace period. Mm -hmm. uh, having... Three games in development at the same time is insane. Especially for one director. For one studio, period. Yeah. You know, most yeah. studios work on one game at a time. If they're working on multiple games, that means there's multiple locations of this of the studio. And as far as I know, there's like Kojima Productions is only in one place. Yeah. I think they have a US office, but I think it's literally just an office. Yeah. Like one guy. Yeah. It's Jeff Keighley's apartment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I'm glad they're doing a bunch of stuff. I'm yeah. glad they're doing another tactical espionage action game because yeah. I want more Metal Gear. That's that's honestly like the most interested I've been in a Kojima Productions thing in a long time because like they, there's potential here that this is just Metal Gear. True. There's potential that it's he's doing a a bit and. Konami's involved in some weird yeah. way and, and and this could all work out. Yeah. I don't know how. I'd imagine there'd be some animosity between him and Konami. We don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. And it's been a long time. But uh also like, you know, uh Phantom Pain, they were billing that as a completely different game at first yeah. as like a little fun misdirection. And he's done that a couple times in the past yeah. too, but that's the one that stands out in my head. So it could absolutely just be a new Metal Gear game. But it'd be weird for him to like give you even that much information yeah. that it's a tactical espionage action. I don't know. 
uh, I got to play a lot more Death Stranding. I never beat it. So I got it on Steam. I might play the whole thing again okay. from the beginning. Yeah, I saw it was on sale. I debated getting it or not. I just, I saw the how long to beat and it's like 40 hours. I'm like, I don't have fucking time for that. And it drags. Yeah. In the beginning, it drags. Uh, but it's fun because there's a, it's just, I loved what I played. I only played like 12 hours of it. Right. But I, I loved what I played, but it was slow, but I was, uh, I was en- enjoying it. It's a lot of weird, dumb stuff. Like you're just kind of walking, right? But there's a lot of weird shit that goes on while you're walking that you can't really like quantify. It, yeah. It's in traditional game sense, like your goal is to walk from point A to point B, but then all this shit happens. So it's yeah. like weird to wire your brain around like the little the the journey and not the destination mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I gotta try that. That'll be like a fun little bedtime game for a while, I guess. Yeah. Um. All right, let's move on uh, to a notification from Calcul something or other. Thanks for the six months. Finally watching live to see the resurgence of the backlog. But where's Kit and Krista? What does that have to do? <laughs> what does Kit and Krista have to fucking... They were on Nintendo Podcast yeah. last week. Go watch Go watch Nintendo Podcast. This podcast, get Will Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, let's talk about Sega. Sega. Sega has released its financial results for Q3 of fiscal year 2024, and it paints a somewhat disappointing picture for the company as it reports sluggish sales of its premium titles, including Sonic Superstars. In its notice of revision of operating results forecast letter, the company states that in the consumer area, uh, although we release uh, some new titles in Q3, including Sonic Superstars, Endless Dungeon, and Total War Pharaoh, sales weren't sluggish during the holiday season. Uh, regarding Sonic Superstars specifically, Sega had previously noted that although initial sales were lower than expected, it intended to ramp up marketing for the game significantly during November and December, as this tends to be when Sonic games sell better. Clearly, this hasn't happened quite how Sega had hoped. Um, we're just speculating, but maybe, just maybe, releasing a new game at the same time as Super Mario Bros. Wonder probably didn't do Sonic Superstars any favors. In its full financial report, Sega offers some explanation for its slow sales, stating regarding the entertainment content industry in the consumer area, the expansion of the market, mainly in Europe and the U.S., has reached a plateau due to worsening economic environment uh, caused by inflation and other factors. In addition, game development costs continue to rise, and there is an urgent need to respond to these changes in the business environment. On the flip side, however, um, Paraslot, uh, Pachi Slot and Pachinko Machines appear to be doing rather well with Sega revi- uh, revising <laughs> its unit sales it. forecast from uh, s- sorry from 178,000 to 179,000. Not a huge increase, but still the numbers are going up. So I think it's obvious Sonic Superstars didn't sell very well because it was released a- within a week of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yes. And like Sonic Superstars is a fine game, but like Super Mario Brothers Wonder is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Let us not forget who won the great console war of the 1990s. It's, it wasn't you, Sega. There's a reason why people, more people buy Mario games. It's crazy that they decided that that was a fine time to release that game. Mm-hmm. But like, th- th- there's a lot of things that go into a game release. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could absolutely destroy a game. Uh, Titanfall 2 is a great example yes. of a game that was ruined by its release date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sandwiched between Call of Duty and Battlefield. And it was like, 
the best selling Call of Duty and the best selling Battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> so like they it got absolutely fucked. Um obviously Super Mario Bros. Wonder is uh the best 2D platformer to come out in many, many years. Yeah. Uh, the, the the most anticipated 2D platformer probably ever. And uh you're gonna release a Sonic game the same week. <laughs> Not only are you going to release a Sonic game the same week, you're releasing a 2D side-scrolling Sonic game, the same, well, literally the same style of game as the Super Mario Brothers game, and, and it's bad. <laughs> it's a bad game. And not only that, like within a year of Sonic Frontiers, your big grand reinvention of the character that people seem to really take to, mm-hmm. and instead of like embracing that. You're taking a step back with a two, you know, from a conceptual standpoint, you're taking a step back and going back to a 2D game, you know, that people often see as a lesser game. See, I don't want Sega to take the wrong lessons from this. Like, right. like obviously releasing it at the same time as Mario Brothers Wonder was a bad idea. That was the, yeah. But it's the worst idea is releasing the game in the state that it was anyway. Like, they had a lot of great ideas in Sonic Superstars, but overall, it was just a bad game. Right. They could have made it a great game. And I don't want to say that Sega is even capable of making a Sonic game that is like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, but they could learn a lot from how Super Mario Bros. Wonder took the the core elements of Mario and fucked with it in a way right. that made it so much better and a new thing and great and everybody loves it. They could have done something... Just like that with Sonic, and they did with Sonic Mania. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Sonic Mania, if this had been Sonic Mania 2, mm-hmm. might, we might be sitting in a different story here, because Sonic Mania 2, you know, took, you know, the old style of Sonic gameplay and found new ways to, like, remix it and reimagine it and do fun and creative things, whereas Sonic Superstars didn't. All it really did to update it was go from pixel art to full 3d yeah which wasn't really enough to like add a unique voice to the game i don't think that they understand why sonic mania did as good as it did probably not and i mean it's obvious because of how sonic superstars turned out yeah and like i don't even hate sonic superstars i like it but i can definitely like acknowledge that like this is not you know a top tier sonic game for some reason, I played the whole game, and right. that's a lot coming from me. Yeah. I think part of it is that it was pretty short. It was like 10 hours. Yeah. Um. So I guess I liked it enough to want to see the whole thing through, but um, in hindsight, I'm mad about it, and um, I, there were parts I enjoyed, and there were parts where I was like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. there was a lot more what the hell's this than there was parts that I enjoyed. Yeah. So... It's just, this is another one of those situations where I'm sitting in the sidelines being like, what were you thinking? You have all of the answers right in front of you. You could have yeah. done something a lot better. And then, and then this happens. But the team who made Sonic Mania making their own game. Yeah. Forgot the name of it. Rolling, rolling Armadillo Man. Something armadillo like that, time. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not headcanon anymore, right? No. Um, it's Christian Whitehead and his Penny's Big Breakaway. Is that it? That is it. It's by well, there's two. There's two games that are very similar. Yeah, Penny's Big Breakaway is Christian Whitehead's game, 
the developer is called Evening Star. Right. That's the one where it looks like a 3D Sonic game and the character has a yo-yo that they can swing off of and okay. stuff. Uh, that looks really good. And this is what probably could have happened with Sonic mm-hmm. if they let him handle the IP. Yeah. Uh, but instead, he's going to do his own thing. And you know what? If you're a Sonic fan, buy this game. Show them that, you know, vote with your wallet. Yeah. There's another chat. What's the other game that I'm thinking of? That's a Sonic type game. I think Jackson was playing the Steam demo. It was on. It was in the Steam Next Fest. Right. Thing. You guys let me know. In the meantime, though, uh, we will talk about something else. Dead Cells yes. developer. Yes, this is funny because it has the word asshole in it. A former lead designer on Dead Cells says that the decision by studio Motion Twin to end development on the roguelite is the worst imaginable asshole move against its co-developer, Evil Empire. Uh, Sebastian Bernard, who formed the independent game maker uh, Deep Night Games after leaving Motion Twin, had previously said he left the developer when asked due to his relationship with the team growing complicated. Bernard now criticizes Motion Twin and also comments on the future projects of the spinoff studio Evil Empire. Bernard's comments followed the Motion Twin announcement that Dead Cells Update 35 will be the roguelike game's last since it launched in 2018. While the two studios are separate entities, several Motion Twin developers formed Evil Empire in 2019, with Motion Twin handing over the Dead Cells reins to Evil Empire uh, to lead the continual development of the game. Evil Empire says on its website that it works hand-in-hand with Motion Twin as the latter studio validates uh, initial designs and important milestones. Uh, Sebastian Bernard's intended blog po- extended blog post further outlining his feelings regarding Dead Cells is available to read. Uh, the original story continues. Following the announcement of the end of the development of Dead Cells, Bernard responded to a question in the game's official Discord about his opinion on the matter. Since you're asking me, I just say that Motion Twin did the most, did the worst imaginable asshole move against Dead Cells and Evil Empire. Having seen firsthand the actual situation behind the scenes, I can honestly say I'm glad to not be a part of this anymore. The official statement is a total marketing bullshit. Um, <laughs> the way the situation happened is on a whole different level. I never imagined my former co-op studio uh, would turn out to be such greedy people. Uh, I wish the absolute best to Evil Empire for their next things and hope people working there will uh, survive this sudden economic cut. Uh, in a post to his Deep Night website in 2020, uh, Bernard said he built around a dozen game prototypes after Dead Cells launch, but as the uh, the months passed by, uh, nothing happened. My relations with the team began became more and more complicated. So complicated, actually, that it ultimately led to uh, my forced departure as I asked to leave in December 2019. Uh, Bernard's comments follow Motion Twins' announcement that Update 35 for Dead Cells marks the end of our creative journey on the game. The developer adds that it at, that it wants to avoid more of the same and diminishing the unique charm that makes Dead Cells special to all. Evil Empire also released a statement in which the team said it will no longer be working on Dead Cells. Instead, uh, Evil Empire will now work on New Game or Two, uh, which likely refers to two deals signed with a third-party IP holders for Evil Empire to work on pre-existing game series. Then so he never explains what exactly makes them greedy for working on dead cells or what exactly about them not working on dead cells makes them assholeish people. Yeah, it's like it sounds like it's very vague. Yeah. I mean it sounds like they wanted to keep working on the title mm. and then Motion Twin basically said no, 
you're going to stop. We want to do other things. Oh, I understand. He 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 created Dead yeah. Cells and then moved to a different created his own company but still worked on Dead Cells. Yes. Uh okay. in the in the blog post he wrote, he said, to put it shortly, Evil Empire did which is his company, did a tremendous job at keeping the game fresh and alive while taking great care of their players. On the I, I other understand. side, he continues, I've seen firsthand how uh, Motion Twin considered our player base years before Dead Cells even existed. Back when we were making dozens of browser flash games, our short-term strategy was release, update a bit, drop. It's not some confidential information. It's basically what our old uh, player base from the pre-Dead Cells era know. I have obviously been a part of that. But as a cooperative company, the decisions were taken together and I had shared, had my share of delusion on the topic. So it sounded like they wanted to keep the game alive for as long as possible. And Motion Twin was finally like, absolutely not. We'll yeah, this is part out something new. This is his baby and he, he created it and he takes a lot of ownership over it. And now they're like, no, too bad. Yeah. Um, that uh, is sad. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's a lot of weird bureaucratic bullshit that leads to somebody having to give up ownership over their yeah. game. It's an interesting situation where he still got to work on it. Um but uh yeah, I mean, I think the game came out 2018. Yeah. It's old. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like you're going to have to stop yeah, support eventually. Point, yeah. They have had great support for the game. I yeah. mean, the, the they just had a shit ton of DLC launch for it. Mm-hmm. Uh that was like uh uh that Castlevania people in it. Yeah, had, I was gonna. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of like weird IP stuff that went yeah. into it. Also, the game like runs amazing on like every platform that it's on, mm-hmm. um, including Android and iOS. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's had a good run. Yeah, I'm excited to see what else they can come up with because I don't need to keep playing. Actually, I mean, I did load up Dead Cells recently and played right. it again. So whatever. I hope they just keep updating it for uh whatever new platforms come out but uh as uh, in terms of new content make a new game well, maybe like they'll release like continue to release it on new con- consoles and yeah stuff, that's what but, i hope yeah uh i hope they don't drop support in that way yeah all right real quick ubisoft ceo defends skull and bones 70 dollar price uh during a session as part of a conference call during ubisoft's q3 sales for fiscal year 2024 one caller pointed out that skull and bones now appears to be taking a more live service approach the game's year one roadmap was recently published for example the caller asked why ubisoft was insisting on charging 70 dollars for the game and potentially limiting the size of the player base suggesting a free-to-play model may be better suited for the live service mechanics and give it a better chance of building a community um ubisoft ceo and like, I know I call them all idiots, but this guy is shockingly dumb. Uh, Eves Gilmo <laughs> replied with an assertion that Skull and Bones deserves to be a full price game because of its scale. You will see that Skull and Bones is a full-fledged game, uh, he said. It's a very big game, and we feel that people will really see how vast and complete that game is. It is really a triple, quadruple A game, and that will deliver in the long run. I I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to say this that. This game is so big, it has to... Really, we should be charging you $80 for it. How long has this game to... been in development? Like seven years or something. Too long. This game has come a long way from just being, you know, Assassin's Creed 4-2. You know what I mean? It started off as like... So a... we think. We don't know yet. Until I see this game in the wild. 
I'm not gonna believe that it's anything more than just the boat stuff from Assassin's Creed 4. Well, yeah, the it was pitched to us as the boat stuff from Assassin's Creed 4, but its own game. But I felt like I was losing my fucking mind when Assassin's <laughs> Creed 4 came out and everyone was like, Yeah, boats! Yeah. Because that was the worst part of Assassin's Creed 3. And then yeah. Assassin's Creed 4, they doubled down on it because everyone was like, yeah, boats. And then I got in the boats and I was like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. I hate the boats in this game. And then people liked it so much, they decided, let's make a game around the boats. Yeah. I uh, don't see what everybody else sees. And, you know, making a game around the boats is one thing, but now, like, you're slowly morphing it into, like, a live service game when, A, live service games are on their way out, and B... Sea of Thieves has been doing that for years, and people have grown to like that game a lot. Yeah. So now you're competing with another big time, a live pirate game that has already like has its fan base. And you're Ubisoft. You're not exactly known for garnering goodwill with your community. Yeah. So H3 Catacomb in the chat says uh, he played the Sea of, sea of uh, oh, but not Sea of Thieves. Skull and, Skull and Bones open beta for about 30 minutes before I just completely lost interest. He said, imagine what you don't like about it and make it worse. <laughs> That's what Skull and Bones. Yeah. Is. I did. I hyped myself up into like wanting to play Assassin's Creed 3 again like this weekend. But then you reminded me of the boat stuff. And now I'm like hesitant <laughs> to do that. Because I like, liked 3. Yeah, no, 3 was like 3 people, was weird. People didn't like 3, no, but I liked 3. I like grew to like it over the years. And I was talking because of the Super Bowl party we were at. Somebody made a Hamilton reference. And then I brought up how a minor character in Hamilton is actually the main villain of Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> and like he dies in the most unceremonious way. Where, spoiler alert for Assassin's Creed 3. The end. You, you're tired. You're beaten down. You don't want to do this anymore. You walk into some random bar and he's just sitting at a table. So you sit down next to him, and without saying where you look at him, and you like give the most unefortless shiv in the side, and that's it. That's how he goes out. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. It's it was I was just like so shocked by it because it was just so sudden, and it's so clear that like Connor was like wanted to go home, but he just happened to stumble across his mortal enemy, so he had to take care of that. I think a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, the story was lost on me. It was a lot oh, of like, 100%. here's a white guy, here's another white guy. Oh yeah, no, the <laughs> the Assassin's Creed stories. <laughs> were bad yeah but like there was something about that like small moment that like kind of resonated with me i think it was just the shock of like you had just gone through all of this but like oh fuck this just one more just want to go to bed i said here's a white guy here's another white guy but the games have like middle eastern people and uh it's, native american people the opening screen is this game was made by a multinational group of people that expresses a whole bunch of different beliefs but are, are all the bad guys just no. generic white dudes no because that's what i have in my brain thinking back at, at all the old assassin's creed games no the entire assassin's creed one the entire thing that took place in the middle east yeah assassin's creed 2 that took place in italy the whole time assassin's creed 3 was north america but then that you have like you know games in uh egypt games in uh greece you yeah, know well, i stopped playing after four right <laughs> i think for me though it was both just just bland yeah. character design Anyway, um, I have been getting the itch to play Assassin's Creed again, though. Right. Mirage kind of looked good. I've heard Mirage is very good. Kind of looked good, yeah. Uh, anyway. Moving on. Yes. Let's let's fire through this last All right. bit of news here. Speaking of live service games on the way out, everyone's favorite topic, 
Suicide Squad is getting a new leaderboard thanks to a major unintended bug, which caused the burn status uh, to scale incorrectly. Rocksteady became aware of the bug when players began reaching the mastery levels during the post-game beyond our wildest expectations, the developers said on the Discord server. As mastery level increased, uh, burns damage also increased, Rocksteady explained, adding that this was not what the game was balanced for at launch. The developer is fixing the scaling bug, it said, and once the fix is in place, a new leaderboard will begin. It is unclear when this update will be released beyond a soon from Rocksteady community manager um, DeRoche Brown. Rocksteady said that the current leaderboard won't be wiped. Uh, it'll be left to exist in perpetuity, and players will be able to flip back to see their old achievements Unlocked mastery levels of finite crisis rank, acquired gear, and squad levels won't uh, be reset either. So, this game really did have a shitty launch, didn't it? So, what is it if you, uh, there's a bug where if your mastery level goes up, so does your burn damage? Yeah. Is it the amount of damage that you take or the amount of damage that you give? Because if it's what you give, then that's fucking crazy. That I breaks everything. I honestly have no idea. It, it's not very clear. The fact that, like, you know, it, it's one of those goddamn games where, like, everything, like, is different, like, by, like, 0.2%. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, this gun, this gun has burn damage, but this gun has, like, 0.2% less burn damage, but it's got 0.4% ice damage and what this... It's one of those dumb things. It's one of those yeah. dumb things. Yeah, that's a shame because again, uh, this is something that I wanted to try, but uh, doesn't look fun. Yeah, no, nothing about this game has been good. Hey, it's really time. Hey! This is by Pepposed, and it's one of those memes <laughs> from this week. There's so many good ones. It's Travis Kelsey yelling at his coach, and it says. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave <laughs> with a bunch of scraps. Box of scraps. There was another good one where it's like, Anakin, my commitment is to the Republic, to democracy. <laughs> oh, God. He was, they took him out of the game for like a minute and he fucking lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Uh, that's what happens when you uh, disrespect someone in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> uh, all right, now, uh, hey, let's for the love of God! Oh God, yes, we've for... we've had an unboxing for two weeks. We've had this sitting here for two weeks. It's just from it's from Retro, Retro Fighters. Fighters. Retro Fighters. This is a VHS game case that is officially licensed by Blockbuster. Uh, it, it. Oh wait, you you opened it already, right? I uh, yes. Did I? No. Yeah. Oh, we never actually looked at it. No. Yeah, because no, there's a picture of it on the box. Oh, okay. It's a Nintendo Switch game case. You put Nintendo Switch games in here, but it is stylized as a blockbuster VHS. See, kids, back in the day. Oh, explain it. To when me. Uncle Bob and Will were growing up, there used to be this magical place. Uncle called... Bob and Daddy Will. <laughs> There used to be this magical place called the Blockbuster Video where you would go on a Friday night and you would rent a movie or a video game to take home and watch or play on the weekend. Uh, oh my god. And the movies used to come on these things called VHS tapes. It looked like this. Yes. It looked like this. Um, but this is not a VHS tape. This is a... How do you open it? I don't know, but here... This is... Oh, no. You gotta get the whole experience. 
because the VHS tape came in this, and then you open it, and there's the VHS tape. It would hit, this is the iconic blockbuster case, and it would say the movie on the side, and it would give you this shitty synopsis on the back. And this is what a VHS tape looked like. But this, if I could figure out how to open the goddamn thing. It, this would be awesome if you could put SD cards in it. I'm sure they got them. I would load it up with SD cards. Yeah. I feel like... There are instructions? There gotta be. Like, because this is where, like, the, the head of the VHS would, like, open. This is why we haven't unboxed it in two weeks. We don't know how it works. You know, right? it's got directions on it, but it says, put this end in your VHS player. <laughs> Oh wait, I think I this has to flip up. I think it does. Officially licensed. Oh wait, here we go. Don't force it. It says don't force it. What do you want me to do? Uh this case is designed for easy opening. Uh use the easy open tab on the edge of the game case to open and fasten. Uh turn it around. Oh. It's not intuitive. It's not intuitive. See, no, the problem is we actually grew up with VHS tapes. So and we, there's an arrow pointing yeah, that way. Yeah, we actually grew <laughs> up with VHS tapes. So we know like there's supposed to be a flap at the top, but you have it open from the bottom. Yeah, flip that. Oh, well, they can't. That's why they can't flip the hinge because I understand. They but still, put like a piece of paper on yeah. the front or something. It's cool though. It's heavy. Yeah, it's got a nice, it's nice, sturdy. It's good. Good build quality. So it's for a Nintendo Switch game, but put, I wonder if you could put an SD cards. I'm sure you could fit SD cards in there. This is Heavy. good. It's good, like if you're you can put micro SD cards in there up to four. Oh, good, perfect. Because go. I have a shit ton of micro yeah. SD cards. This is good, like if you travel and you want to bring a couple games, but you don't want to bring the actual game cases. I have a butt ton of micro SD cards for mm -hmm. all these different handhelds that I have whenever I need to pop all my ROMs into something. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna Put all my ROMs on all different micro SD cards and have a little booklet. Yeah. So, oh, I, I just got a new handheld. Let me just pop this open. Here's my whole game library, yeah. you know? Uh, throw an affiliate link in the chat. Okay. You got it, my friend. It's pretty cool. Now, mm -hmm. we'll talk to you people real quick. Yes. As we start with people who left comments on last week's Wolf Them Podcast over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Wolf Them Podcast. Uh, I'll start. You do the links. Oh, yes. Um. Yes. All right, last week, uh, Josh Hadeas7206. Hey, guys, if the Vita 2 does come to fruition, what game series would you like to see on it? The Vita 2. I would like to see the Vita 2 be the home of all the series that Sony has not really abandoned, but, like, doesn't do anything with anymore, like Jack and Daxter or Sly Cooper or resistance, like those types of games. Sony has a tendency, like when a system ends, the franchises that were prevalent on that system also ends. Yeah, I think one of the great things uh, about a major console manufacturer having two consoles at once, namely a handheld, like like a small uh -huh. one and a big one, mm -hmm. uh, is you get smaller games on the smaller one right you know it's like it's like offshoot games or like yeah. uh, 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 uh games that they could spend less time on but it makes them unique in other mm -hmm. ways um 
that's one of the great things about when Nintendo had a handheld to go along with their other stuff. Yeah. Some of their best games were on the handheld. Some, yeah. uh, this, uh, and and then uh, when the Switch happened and they had to hybrid it, uh, all of these games that used to be the smaller handheld stuff all had to all of a sudden yeah. uh, uh, step their game up. Uh, and some of them didn't make it. Yeah. Some of them benefited tremendously from that step up, mm-hmm. uh, like Metroid. Yeah. Uh, or 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 even 2D Mario. Yeah. Um, but uh, some didn't, like Pokemon. Yeah. So uh, I mean, the handhelds were also in Nintendo's case, at least they were a good place to keep like their retro games alive because the GBA was like filled with Super Nintendo ports. Yeah. And then even the DS with uh, N64 games and whatnot. And even um the Vita had a lot of like PS2 ports and like you know PS3 ports into the PS4's life cycle. Yeah. So keeping the the classic IPs alive in one form or another would be a great use of a new Vita handheld. I think these days there's potential for a Vita 2. I think if a Vita 2 came out now, it would be more like how a steam deck is yeah how it just plays the modern games just uh worse version like yeah. a le- like a less graphically intensive version right. it, but back in the day we used to see that it was it was just literally a shitty version of the main game like yeah. the call of duties they'd shove the call of duty on the ds and it was just a yeah. shitty version of call of duty but i think there's potential now for literally having the same game with the same save file it's just uh lower resolution and stuff yeah because i think we've we have the technology now. We've figured out how to scale things mm-hmm. uh, without losing uh, uh, the 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 point of the game. Yeah. So that's what I think a Vita Two would end up being. Anyway, Marcus Riley's with the uh, in the chat in in the, in the fucking comment last week's Wolf Dead <laughs> podcast. He said, "I love Bob's pajamas in this episode. I was not wearing pajamas. I put pants on for this. I was wearing white jeans, but they looked like pajamas, and I was wearing a sweater." That match. And it looked like a prisoner's outfit. <laughs> uh, or I guess pajamas. Robert T- Taylor uh, says, let's be real here. People don't buy Xbox consoles for the exclusive games. Well, yeah. <laughs> Halo's hype died down after Reach and Gears was never popular outside of hardcore fans after the 360. Well, yeah. The reason most people go for Microsoft consoles is because the One S and Series S were the cheaper options in their generations. The Xbox digital ecosystem is superior to what PlayStation offers and Game Pass. He's saying that those are are all the reasons. Yeah. The One S. And the Series S. I know the Series S is a a great cheap option this generation. Was Was the One S, how much cheaper was that than a PlayStation 4? It wasn't that much cheaper, but I yeah. feel like the One S was often on sale more. Oh, okay. The PS4 was. So, I like Game Pass and the digital ecosystem. I don't think it's a better deal than what PlayStation's uh, Game Pass equivalent is. I don't think PlayStation did a good job with, like, differentiating the differences between the different PlayStation Plus Correct. versions yeah. and the fact that they are gatekeeping certain games behind like the more expensive tiers. Mm-hmm. Like I understand going from essential to premium, but then you have the extra tier which adds, you know, all their retro games 
and it also adds cloud streaming and all this other stuff for like $150 a year or whatever the hell it is. Like that's a little extreme. Whereas, and even too, like on their storefront, you know, they can't, they don't really make it clear, you know, what version of uh PlayStation plus you need, or like, can I just buy this game outright? Like they, by default, they force you to get into PlayStation plus. Whereas on Xbox, they make it very clear this is the cost of the game, or can you play it on Game Pass, or you know you can do this with it. Yeah, Xbox has the user experience down for sure, yeah. and I think PlayStation is <clears throat> just a mess. Yeah, but people like to say that Game Pass is a great deal because of the value that you get with all of the games that you yeah. get, and I think that that's accurate. I think it is a really good deal, but I think when you compare the amount of games and the type of games between the two services, mm-hmm. PlayStation. Uh, it 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 has more yeah um and xbox their big sell their big sell is that the games are day one on game the first party games are day one on game pass and you can play them first of all they don't have a lot of first party games second of all they lied about that (laughs) so right uh i i i that's why i think that uh playstation is a better deal but right i'd rather have xboxes because of the uh game pass streaming right the game pass streaming i think takes it over the edge but if you're just comparing the the playing games service like 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 i just want to use this as like a netflix of games i think playstation has more stuff i, I think in terms of like the the xbox exclusive games like yes halo's hype did die down a lot i would say probably closer to halo 5 than of you know after reach um Gears of War was popular on the 360 because the 360 was popular. Yeah. The Xbox One wasn't popular. Gear the Gears games, the quality of the Gears games didn't really change. It was just that they were on a system that wasn't selling. Mm. And I feel like a lot of it is Microsoft's fault because aside from Halo, they didn't foster any of their franchises on the Xbox One. Mm. You know, they they let them all flounder. And the ones that they did release, the Forzas and the Gears and whatnot, you know, those came out, you know, when it was too late, when the Xbox One was already like, you know, beaten. Yeah. 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 I think the problem is that Microsoft is, uh, their, their IPs are floundering because nobody has their console. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So their strategy to, get their stuff on other platforms makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Lucario says, Bob, the Sonic 2 movie is about to be over two years old by now. How have you not seen that one yet while you see the first one on opening day? Because the second one came out right after COVID? Yeah. Or during COVID. It was two two years ago. Might have been during COVID. Yeah, it was was in 2020, in 2022, so. I saw the first Sonic movie and that was the, and then COVID happened. Yeah. And then the next movie I saw was The Batman. Yeah, same. And, and then I have... Oh, no, that's not true. I saw the Barbie movie. And then I saw the Taylor Swift live Wait, did, thing. When did you see... You saw Mario in theaters, didn't you? Oh, I also saw Mario. Yeah. Those are all the movies that I've seen in yeah. theaters. I haven't seen many movies. Yeah, me neither. I tried to see Godzilla, but it wasn't... By the time I was ready to go, it wasn't playing I want to see Godzilla. I want to see it so bad. I'll watch, uh, uh, I, what do I got to get? Paramount Plus? I have it. It's just giving me my login. Okay. 
I still have to see it too. Hannah got a uh, free trial for the Grammys to watch Paramount uh -huh. Plus because of Taylor Swift. Right. And then uh, it expired the day of the Super Bowl. Oh. But we got to watch the Super yeah. Bowl because that was on Paramount Plus. And then that night it expired. Anyway, uh, Koto Kestis says, when the indie trailer was revealed, it got me excited for the future of Xbox and got me thinking I might actually buy one. Looks like that won't be happening anymore. You just wait for it to come well, out in place. We need to see what happens. We need to actually see, like hear what the plan is. Yeah, because you know, yeah, you could be waiting six months. You could be waiting a year. You could be waiting five years. You know, yeah. we don't know just yet. We have to wait and see exactly what Phil says. Uh, I am going to get this on Xbox because I want to play it immediately. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I want to as many games as i can on steam as possible but right. uh if i mean i have game pass but i don't know what's fucking gonna happen i don't yeah. know if the game's gonna come out four days before it does on game pass yeah so all right now we're in the chat yes Hello. we're on both chats yes so say something make it good and then we'll uh, talk to you ps has more older playstation has more older stuff game pass is more recent no um yeah I mean, Game Pass also has a lot of old stuff, but Game Pass is better at, like, putting new stuff in. Again, Game Pass puts their first-party stuff day one in quotes. Yeah. Um, They just don't have a lot of first-party stuff is the problem. Right. But even, like, you know, Pal World debuted in Game Pass. True. Um, Roller Drone, when that came to Xbox, debuted in Game Pass. Yeah. So they're better about, like, putting new games to their platform in game pass right. immediately whereas sony you don't really hear about games debuting on playstation plus you know uh foam stars right now is yeah. debuted on PlayStation. there you plus. go you get foam Big stars. <laughs> fucking foam stars seth films says daddy will can you tell us more about the 1900s growing up with uncle bob <laughs> See, see, I'm old now. I can't remember anything now that she put me on the spot. <laughs> Dad said the he he said something about the turn of the century the other day. Did I say this right? He said yeah. something about the turn of the century the other day, and I had to think. Does he mean the 1900s <laughs> or the turn of the millennium? Yeah, you know. I had to think for a second. When is Will's next guest appearance on the Nintendo podcast? Who I, knows? I don't know. Take it up with the other guy. <laughs> Bob, I'm so surprised you haven't seen Sonic 2 movie. I know, man. <laughs> Everybody just leave me the fuck alone. Bob, the Sonic Adventure style game you're thinking of earlier is Rolling Rascal. Oh, yes. Oh, that's uh, it. Yeah. I saw you say that and uh, I forgot to say it out loud. But thank you. Rolling Rascal is yeah. the other game. That's that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That also looks, they both look good. Yeah. I mean, Rolling Rascal, specifically when I saw it, I'm like, this is all those fan-made 3D Sonic games. Yeah. Like the way he runs, yeah, yeah, for sure. The other one, the the Christian Whitehead one, Penny's Big Breakaway, yeah. just looks like a Sonic. Game. Yeah. So did you watch the Nickelodeon Super Bowl? I saw the clips. <laughs> I want the, the pro I would have rather watched that, but the yeah. problem is you want to watch the commercials and stuff. Yeah. Like, so you want to be there with everybody else. Uh, what's Will's take on Suicide Squad Kills the Justice? He said it already. Didn't yeah, that I, mean, I haven't played it. I'm probably not going to play it at this point. It I'll watch the cutscenes when I get around to it. It just doesn't look like it's any fun. 
Ollie Lettuce says, still need the save file for Mario RPG? I can do it. Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> I would like that. A save file for where I'm at in the Switch version so uh-huh. that I can play it on the SNES version. Got it. Because I didn't Wait. like... What? So I played the I played the Switch version. Yes. And I didn't like it. Uh-huh. Uh, and now I want to play the Super Nintendo version. Okay. But I don't want to replay the stuff I played. So right. I want somebody to just give me a save file that is everything that I did, <laughs> like, to the T, and then right. just... I could pick it up where I left off. Okay. Yeah. Because part of what I didn't like about uh, Mario RPG on the Switch is that uh, it is literally the Super Nintendo game just looks like a new game. Okay. And the game has a lot of, like, old bullshit that they didn't fix or change. So I feel like I would like it better if it was just a Super Nintendo game. Got it. You know? Okay. Because like I'm playing a modern game, I'm expecting modern improvements. Got and there, it. there isn't. There literally is none. Mm-hmm. What's a good example of of that? Of like uh, a- Metroid, uh, uh, the 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 uh, the Metroid remaster. Oh, Samus Returns. Yeah, like yeah. like it, that. That's a. Got it. They re well that that not even that because that's they don't even consider that a remake. That's right. a remaster. Yeah. I guess like Resident Evil 4, that's a remake, but it yeah. feels like a modern game, you know? Yeah. They fixed a lot of things. <sighs> anyway. What's Will's thoughts on the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer? So I actually thought the Deadpool trailer looked cool. I barely saw it. But I was miffed because we know Wolverine's in the movie. Yeah. We know all the marketing surrounding Wolverine. We've seen him in the costume. Why didn't you show him in the trailer? You just show his shadow. Show us Wolverine. Like, give me the mask already. Yeah, that's weird. I, I wasn't hyped on it. I didn't even look into it because I knew about it already. Yeah. Like, I've already seen pictures. So, like, what else could you give we, me? We're watching at my friend's house, and my one friend was like, everyone shut up, the Deadpool trailer's on. And after my daughter got done telling him that shut up's not a nice thing to say, <laughs> uh, it was over in like 15 seconds. Yeah. So then he had to go on his phone and watch the whole trailer like an asshole on his phone. So it's like, why, yeah, why even bother with that? That's <laughs> what happened. By the time I saw it was happening, I missed yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, also, I wasn't like really into Deadpool 2. Deadpool 1, I liked uh, because I think it was like a rated R comic book movie and we haven't seen yeah, no, Deadpool, breaking the fourth wall Deadpool and stuff. 1 was like a breath of fresh air in a, in a way. Deadpool 2 I liked and I liked the action, the actual action in it more than I did Deadpool 1. But like it wasn't like the next like shocking thing yeah. after Deadpool 1 was. This one, you know, it's going to be all multiversal and stuff. So I just don't think I'm into that humor deadpool is a character like you have to get right like in a very specific way mm. otherwise he's just grating yeah you know yeah and like the first movie like hit the nail on the head the second movie did too but like in the wrong hands it could just be like the most annoying shit yeah so yeah. i mean again this this trailer looked good but like who's to say if the actual movie itself will be good Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, though. That looks fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm going to see that movie. You all sleep on the Planet of the Apes films, but they are they kick so much ass. How, much, how many Planet of the Apes movies are there? There's a lot. You, 
if you wanted to like watch this new one, you only need to see the most recent three, and they are the best. Oh. They are the best fucking trilogy. Only three. Only three. The last Planet of the Apes movie I saw was the one that we saw at the Comac movie theater. Yeah, not that one. No, the last two were done by the same guy who did Wait, the Batman. Wait, what was that one? Who was that? Tim Burton. That was Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. I forgot that. It, okay. Yeah, Tim not Burton. that one. You want to see Rise, Dawn, and War of the Planet of the Apes. And the last two, Dawn and War, were directed by Matt Reeves, who also did The Batman. Oh. And also, apparently, I learned this, he's from Long Island. So oh. There you go. Let's hang out with him. Yeah, exactly. Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, you guys care about the new Dune movie. I kind of wanted to see the last one. The last one was very good. I, I heard that. It's the, just long. It's long, and also... Looks pretty good. Like, it ends on a, on a very obvious cliffhanger. Hmm. So, like, you know the next movie's coming. But Dune is very good. All right, uh, I think that's it. Okay. I think. Thank you for hanging out, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching us. Thank you for chatting with us. As always, the Wolfton Podcast is every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on twitch.tv slash Wolfton. Oh, oh, and also, it is on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Wolfton Podcast. But if you can't make the show for any reason at all, we always put the archive version up over on youtube.com slash Wolfton Podcast so you can go and watch it on demand whenever you want. But if you prefer to listen to us rather than watch us, you can do that as well because we're also an audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, Spotify, Audible.com. No matter where you get this show from, folks, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us because that helps with the placement on all those respective platforms. Uh, thanks for being here. So we, we, we did a couple new things today. One of them was the backlog, which will be clipped out on the channel. I'm very sorry if your notifications are getting destroyed. Yes. Just make them, uh, uh, t- turn the, click the little bell and turn it to, what did I say before? Live. No, uh, personalized. Uh, personalized. Yeah. I think that'll make it so that your, the live ones will, will show up eventually. You could train YouTube to just give you the notifications for the ones that you actually care about. Uh, well, again, this putting the clips up is something that we're testing. We're yeah. still figuring it out. Um, the uh, but the the backlog will be clipped out. Um, what else do I want to say? Um, thank you for supporting. Thank you for being here. I'm gonna raid Jackson right now. He's streaming over on Twitch. There's a way he streams on YouTube also, and there is a way to stream to YouTube. I mean, to to, to uh, raid to raid on YouTube. I just don't know how to do it. Oh, the other thing we were doing is. This stream is in 1440p on YouTube. Not that the cameras are. Right. <laughs> but hopefully it's better quality. I thought that might break something, but I think everything's working fine. Nice. Getting more peas. Get, we get, we, you guys deserve more peas. Uh, all right. Thanks for hanging out. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Go, go say hi to Jackson.